Hello, and welcome to the Moncast. My name is Stevie. And I'm Sam. The current score is 1-1, and this time we are discussing the third episodes, a new digitude, and a sappy ending. Let's start with a sappy ending. Ash and Co stumble across a gang war between Pinzer and Heracross, and they decide to intervene. They discover that Team Rocket is stealing sap for a money-making scheme, so they defeat Mecha Pinzer and save the balance of nature forever, until this plot gets recycled again. Also, Heracross likes Ash for some reason, so Ash catches the Heracross. The episode starts with... Ash and Co walking through a forest as per usual, and then they see like three dead trees, and they make this massive fuss about it. Like there's stuff like, "Oh no, these trees are dead. Why are these trees dead?" It's like they could just be dead trees, you know. It's not autumn. Why are they dead? I don't understand. But they make a massive deal about it. They spot a big tree full of giant beetle Pokemon on it, and their Heracross, which are really awesome. And Misty's like, "Ew, bugs!" and says that they look really creepy, and I agree with that. They do actually look pretty creepy, just biting into the trees and draining them. I quite like Heracross. I like beetles, so Heracross is quite cute for me. They look fine, apart from when they're on the tree devouring it, because then it just looks really creepy. Also, Misty hates bug Pokemon, but like bug Pokemon vary so much in design. So how can she just hate bug types? Well, the bugs tend to share common traits, like having more legs or having horns or wings and stuff. They're all insects. Yes, I am aware. Wait, I need to think of a, a bug Pokemon that isn't an insect now. Ones that are primarily bug types are usually insectoid Pokemon. I'm trying to think of a bug Pokemon that isn't a bug, and it's kind of hard. Shuckle. Shuckle. It's a bug and rock type, but it looks like a turtle. Well, it could be a snail. It has arms. Yeah, I guess that's a bug type that isn't really a bug. And actually, that's kind of the only one that I can see that doesn't look bug-ish. Okay, Dwebble and Crustle, they're bug and rock types. But they are more like crabs than anything. This episode's been started for like five minutes, we've already gone into semantics of bug types. Well, it's a bug episode, so it's relevant. Well, I think if I didn't go and look at it now, it would have just bugged me for the rest of the day. So Ash decides that he wants to catch all of these Heracross, because, I don't know, he thinks he's going to save the trees from dying. Something like that. But he also gets lots of new powerful Pokemon, and then just a man appears. And obviously he's a woodsman, so he's called Woodrow. Oh, he does have a name. Yeah, he's called Woodrow. I honestly had no idea what his name was. I didn't think it was ever said. <laughs> he says it, like, once at the start. He's filler guy of the week. Yeah, you know it's a filler person, because their name revolves around what they do. And they also, like, don't really have Pokemon there that's there to explain stuff. And he just goes, no, no, no. You can't catch the hair across, it'll upset the balance of nature. Yeah, this little tiny amount of Heracross he wants to catch. Just disturb the entire ecosystem of the forest. Because Butterfree need the Heracross to survive, apparently, because they're too weak and they can't get to the tree sap themselves. So we get an episode with some Butterfree. Yay, Butterfree! But also, why are they here? They should be flying back to Kanto to breed. Are Butterfree indigenous to the Johto region? Do they fly back to Kanto during breeder season? I think they're indigenous to Kanto and they fly to, like, Johto and stuff to breed and then they come back. But why? I don't know. I'm not an expert of Pokemon ecology. 
the Butterfree shouldn't exist outside of Kanto. Because otherwise they have to fly a really, really long way. Well, no, Kanto's next door to Johto. If Caterpie are just indigenous to every region, then that's a lot of flying back to Kanto that the Butterfree have to do. Maybe they shouldn't have come up with a dumb idea of having a Butterfree breeding season. Yeah, just out of nowhere you're coming up with just some reserved salts for that episode. Still the worst episode. <laughs> okay, so a bunch of pincer appear. They scare away the Butterfree and the Heracross, all except for like one Butterfree, which has stood at the top because it forgot how to fly. It was scared. It's just stood there. Like, it's not animated. It's just there at the top of the tree. And there's also, like, a Heracross is, like, hiding by it. So the Pinsir attack it, and Ash sends out Bulbasaur, which is a grass type, against Pinsir, which is a bug type. Aren't bug types super effective against grass types? Yes, they are. Oh, dear. Yeah, you know, it's really good against bug types. Fire types. Or flying types. Or both. So maybe he should have kept that Pidgeot that he got rid of. Or just sent out Charizard, which is like four times effective. Oh yeah, Charizard's flying gun thingy. Exactly. Although he would have had to burn down the tree. So he went for a safer option. That works, obviously, because Ash is a protagonist. And then Pikachu electrocutes them. Is this before or after Pikachu's like spidey senses start tingling? I think Pikachu senses the Heracross and the Butterfree still in the tree. And there's just this amazing moment where Ash just turns to him and goes, Pikachu senses something! Because that's the thing he's always been able to do. It's the worst line. Oh, it's like Pikachu has some sort of superpower sense. And Ash just expositions it. Just Pikachu's already reacted, Ash, you don't have to say. But no, the kids wouldn't understand that Pikachu can sense things now, which I hope he uses again. Pikachu senses something. Yep, so he uses thunder... Thunder attack. The best attack. Uses it against all the her pincer and they all run away. So Heracross comes down from the tree and then starts sucking on Bulbasaur's bud and it's really creepy. Like, is it taking Bulbasaur's life force? It's trying to get the pollen, apparently. But like, if it just kept doing that, would Bulbasaur die? Probably. <laughs> Turn it into an empty husk. That's horrifying. Heracross is a slightly creepy Pokemon, just with its fang pincer things. And it's pure black. It's blue, like a dark blue. It's very dark. But Ash says that the Heracross scared pincer off because it just wants to eat food. And I'm like, Ash, that's not what happened. You literally used Pikachu a few seconds ago. I think he might have meant that Heracross only stayed behind because he wanted to get the food, not because it was going to protect the Butterfree. Okay, that makes more sense. I think that's what they were going for. But Heracross didn't really succeed in doing anything. So, Woodrow says that the Pinsir and Heracross used to have their own forests, but something's been scaring the Pinsir out of their forest and into this one, but he doesn't know what it is yet. So, Ash and Co. volunteered to go help on this little adventure to save the forest. Before we all leave this scene, just put a pin in the fact that there are dead trees here for a second. Just remember that. So Misty wants everybody to leave and Ash and Brock say that they've got to stay and and fight and protect the forest because they're all eco-warriors now. Even though Ash was just like, I'm going to catch all the bugs. So Woodrow says it's a bit of a walk to the pincer forest because of the bushes and stuff. So Ash gets Bulbasaur to use Razor Leaf to slice open like a pathway and make a shortcut. Which is surely great for the forest. Got to protect the forest, except when it mildly inconveniences you, in which case destroy it, just level it. So they get to a canyon that's separating the forest, because of course there's a canyon separating the forests. And then they say that, oh, there's a there's a wood bridge, because, you know, they don't make anything other than wood bridges in, in Pokemon. So they go and find this wood bridge, and it's destroyed, and then Ash says that the pincer must have done it, and they're truly evil, or something like that, I can't remember completely. But he does, does say, like, oh, the pincer have done this, this must be... Like, they're trying to show us just how evil they are. And Woodrow's like, no, it was cut by humans. Like, Pinsel couldn't do this. Also, throughout this episode, Ash keeps saying, like, that 
this Heracross, maybe it wants to choose him. Like it likes him specifically. But then he's also hating on the pincer for no reason. So I'm like, Ash, calm down. Yeah, the Heracross stalks him the entire time. Even after Bulbasaur's been withdrawn to his ball. So I'm not sure what he's following them for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's just before they get to this canyon that um, they see this Heracross following them. And Bulbasaur sees it and uses Razor Leaf. And then Ash, is, he doesn't see Bulbasaur attacking the Heracross. And he's just like, oh, you can have a rest, Bulbasaur. Like, because they didn't need him anymore. Like, he was done for plot. So they just got rid of him. And have you noticed whenever they need just like a generic Pokemon that isn't Pikachu, he'll send out Bulbasaur? Yeah, Bulbasaur's his favourite. It's his like go-to Pokemon. It was his first starter. His starting starter. So they can't get across because they're this bridge that's been destroyed. But then they see Heracross attacking a tree. And it's a massive tree, isn't it? It's got to be a couple tons. It's way too tall. And just remember that Heracross knocked this tree down, like, easily. Like, it fell to the floor. And it landed, like, perfectly in between the ropes as well, which is quite a good aim for Heracross, considering it was just pushing a tree. Also, I could have sworn it wasn't tall enough to go across the canyon before it was chopped down. It just extends to become longer as it falls. Put a pin in this as well. We're uh, going on, like, a little adventure, and we're picking up little clues along the way. So... Remember these two clues? So they cross. Misty doesn't want to. So Togepi jumps out of her hands and then runs forward and is bouncing around. And I'm like, Togepi's going to almost fall over because that's the only time they'll ever use Togepi is when it's going to get itself into danger. Lo and behold, it falls over and then Misty grabs it. And I'm like, what's the, what's the point of this? There's no point of this little scene. It's to fill time and to maybe develop Misty a little. Just like, oh, she's not dumb. She won't go out onto high ridges. But then she has to anyway. So they cross, and then they turn around and they see that Heracross is now sucking sap out of the bottom of the tree. It only wanted the food! <laughs> yeah, but it's like, okay, well no, it knocked it down specifically into the direction you wanted to go, so I'm pretty sure it was doing it to help. Also, it can suck sap out without knocking it down. They get to the pincer forest, and they find a giant robot pincer that's stealing all the sap on the, the, the pincer's version of the big tree, which is much bigger than the Heracross tree, so I don't know why... They'd go to the smaller tree. There's, there's literally trees all the way around, like the pincer forest. I don't know why they couldn't just go like, to the other ones. So they see this giant metal mecha pincer. And then suddenly Team Rocket do their motto, because obviously Team Rocket's behind this stuff. And they decide to give the gang a bit of a backstory. And they say that how they were hiking through this forest and they were super hungry. And they wound up finding this tree that has this tree sap on it. And they tasted it and it's delicious. So what they decided to do was at first, Jesse wanted to set up a pancake shop and then sell pancakes and put this syrup on it which sounds like a good idea and then they changed their mind and decided oh what we could do instead is just package it up and sell it in supermarkets so yeah that's the thing they wanted to do which i quite like it's almost as if team rocket's given up on catching pikachu now all they want to do really is go into business they just need money to have food to pay off the debt of buying a mechanical pincer obviously because that that was super cheap to build a mechanical pincer Big Team Rocket probably gives them a budget every day. Maybe they saved up a while and then bought a mechanical pincer. But apparently all this happened two days ago. So remember how the trees are now dead because the ecosystem's messed up? You're telling me that those trees died in two days since Team Rocket got there? Yes. Also, they arrived at that place two days ago. You're telling me they built that robotic pincer in less than a day and then caused enough havoc for the pincers to move to the other forest enough to destroy those three specific trees which are super far into that other territory yes it feels like a super like shaky plot for me there's just three trees which are dead and they're like oh look at all these trees which are dead and then they're like inconspicuous trees in the middle 
of the Harrowcross area. There's no reason why the pincer couldn't just go to any of the other trees in their own area, but they had to do it for plot reasons. I'll go into why I'm not keen on the whole Harrowcross pincer thing later. So Team Rocket and Ash and Co. decide to fight. James calls out Victory Bell. This is quite funny. He calls out Victory Bell and then runs away and hides because Victory Bell normally tries to eat him. And then he realises that Victory Bell's too busy eating tree sap, so he goes and tells him off and then starts to get eaten. And isn't it really terrifying that he has a Pokemon that is trying to literally eat and digest him? I think it's a show of affection. Maybe, but it could also be seen as this Pokemon literally just sees James and goes, I'm going to eat him and digest him because food. But it's a show of affection. So running gag with James or all of his grass Pokemon try to hug him and just hurt him in the process. Most of his Pokemon try and show him affection. There's a lot of his Pokemon that he has, which does this sort of stuff. Well, Weezing doesn't really. Well, except Weezing, but that's because Weezing's from the start. But he's got a long slew of Pokemon, which will show him affection and stuff in weird ways that almost hurt him. So the Pokemon, instead of fighting, just want to eat this tree sap. So Meowth decides to use Mecha Pinsa and actually uses Bulbasaur on it, but it doesn't work because it's like metal plated. So all of its razor leaves and stuff don't really hurt it. Pikachu jolts it, but as most Team Rocket inventions do nowadays, it just absorbs electricity and it fires it back at them, which is like super effective. So this Mecha Pinsa is slowly walking towards them because they have to drag out the tension a bit. And like, is Meowth going to kill these kids with this robot Pinsa thing? Because it could be, that could be gruesome. I think he was just going to drain the sap from them. Oh, that, that sounds awful. That sounds like an awful way to die, just being drained and become like a, a husk. So Heracross appears and tries to stop the robot. It gets into like a, they're pushing against each other and then Heracross is losing. But remember earlier when he had that giant tree, which was like easily heavier than this metal pincer and he was easily able to push it over, but now he can't seem to push this metal pincer away. I got the impression he chewed through the tree to get it to fall. It was just like a whole solid tree. Yeah, so apparently he's able to push hard enough to unroot a tree, but he can't push this metal pincer, which is not a heavy pincer because it's got empty tanks on it to fill it up with sap. And even the tanks aren't massive, so it's not like they're going to be able to fill it up with too much sap. So it ends up lifting the robot. And now that Ash and Co have removed the sap tanks because they removed the sap tanks from it when it's like being pinned by Heracross. Once they're removed, Heracross lifts it up and then throws it into the sky. It lands back onto the market and explodes. They get blasted off. And then they return to the Heracross forest and they see like all the pincer have left and the Heracross are back on their trees, which is super cute. And then Woodrow's there because I guess he lives with the Heracross now. And then they leave, but then you see the Heracross following them and Ash says that he thinks he wants it to join him. And Heracross is like, yeah, I guess I want to do that sort of stuff. And Ash catches Heracross saying how it chose him. I'm like, okay, it didn't really choose you, did it? For some reason, the, the, the writers were like, we need to give him a new Pokemon. So here we go. A new Pokemon's good though. Like I said, I quite like Heracross. It's cool. It is cool. It's got like a simple design. And it's a bug fighting type. So it'll replace the primate that Ash got rid of. And also the Butterfree that Ash got rid of. He's just consolidating. He's taking all of his Pokemon and just mashing their types together. He's just being efficient. But what did Ash do to make the Heracross like him, really? I do feel it's quite contrived. It's not like he helped it like... Dave, you look at Charmander, he literally saved its life. Or with Squirtle, where he did something with the Squirtle, I forgot. Didn't he cover the one Squirtle for being blown up by Team Rocket? Something like that. Yeah, so, you know, he's actively had a role in recruiting his Pokemon. With Heracross, he's just kind of there. He attacks the pincer a couple times, but that's it, really. But that's still not enough to be like, oh, I guess I'll just leave behind this delicious sap and go with this person. Yeah, Ash himself didn't really do anything. It was all just 
Ash's Pokemon that really did any helping. Maybe it wants to go because it wants to eat Bulbasaur, because it's never seen a Bulbasaur before. And it sees it as like a rare delicacy, and it's like, mm, yeah, I want to eat that thing instead. Heracross just has acquired a taste for Bulbasaur. Any more notes on this little episode? I want to talk about something that really annoyed me, which was how they go on about the balance of nature and how the Heracross and the Pinsir are living in harmony all the time. And they have to maintain that. And at the end, they're like, yay, now they're back to living in peace. They're not living in peace. They're living in an apartheid. That's not in harmony. <laughs> Don't pretend that splitting people into groups is them living in harmony. It's just putting a wall between them. This It's segregation. <laughs> That's more of a human construct. It's with certain like animals. It's territory. I just think it's too much. You're saying like, if everyone just sticks to their own people... And just ignore everyone else, and that's fine. But no, it shouldn't be that way. If the Pinsir and Heracross just shared trees, it'd be fine. I just guess they're territorial Pokemon, and I, I, like like Pokemon are supposed to be animals, so I can imagine them being territorial and saying that this is their spot. Especially Pokemon that appear to eat tree sap and stuff, they're going to want to claim a stake in this land. But they're not really aggressive towards each other at all, until someone else gets into the mix and messes up the pincer and forces them to be aggressive to get sap. That's because they have their own territory and they're both aware of this. They shouldn't have territories. You're now being a dictator and telling them how to live their life. Why can't they just work together and share trees? Give it like three episodes from now, we'll see another tree with like a pincer and a hair across on it because they forgot that this episode existed. Pokemon shouldn't live in apartheid. You can't call apartheid living in harmony. That's what this is. Any more notes about this before we go into our little spiel of stuff? Brock is an exposition machine. I thought it was Woodrow that says a lot of exposition. Oh no, Brock's entire lines now is just exposition. Just like, I think Heracross likes Ash. Stuff like that all the time. That's all he says. Also, have you noticed how Misty always has to have the opposing opinion now? Where she's like, oh, I kind of think we should just go. And then Ash and Brock are like, no, stupid girl. We have to stay and help nature this way whilst I cut down nature. Well, she's just the whiny girl character while Brock is the bro. I'm really excited to have another Misty episode. I really like Misty. Obviously, it's going to be quite Ash focused at the start because he's going to get his gang of six and he's going to get a couple of badges. But I just want there to be a couple of, of Misty episodes in this season. I can't remember because this is where I remember watching these episodes, but... I don't think I watched them as intensely as I watched the first season, which was basically every time it was on, I would watch it. With these, it was more spaced out and I wouldn't watch every single episode in order. So I'm not sure which episodes we get to. Have Brock and Misty even used their Pokemon yet? I don't think they have in the first three episodes. They have done diddly squat. They've just stood there. They really are just co now. They just do nothing. And considering Brock came back for this because they had Tracy before... He might as well not have Pokemon. <laughs> He's just a guy that cooks for them. Basically, they've become Ash's carers. Brock makes sure he doesn't starve to death, and Misty's there for counselling, maybe? Misty's just there to be a girl. Misty's there to be a girl and wrong, because she's a girl. She's not allowed to be right. If they didn't have a girl, then it would be a sexist show, but they have a girl, so it's fine. That's wrong if she's wrong the entire time. Even though we all know that women are always right. I have no evidence to support otherwise. Ah, uh, Brock and Misty, please to do something. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree. Like, I kind of want to see them actually get up to stuff that isn't commenting on what Ash is doing or talking to Ash about stuff. You have Pokemon. <laughs> Let them out. 
like they wanted to go and save the forest well maybe use some of your pokemon <laughs> but it had to be just ash because ash is the main character standout character what was yours Heracross. Oh, okay. Because he is a cool Pokemon. And he has quite a timid personality, which I don't think is something we've seen in many Pokemon yet. Wait, didn't you say at the start of this episode that you didn't like Heracross? I didn't like the ones that were just all covering the tree and draining it, because those ones look creepy. But the one that follows Ash around and is quite shy and just helpful is good. I quite like Heracross. My standout character is Team Rocket, because they just have given up on the whole Pikachu thing and they decided to get into business. You have to speculate to accumulate. They're investing so that they can get more money, so they can buy more contraptions to get Pikachu. They're not after the twerps or anything. They're not following them. They're off doing their own thing, and then they just happen to be found by them. But they just wanted to make money and eat food. <laughs> I like the idea of Jesse coming up with this pancake company and then being all like, actually, no, it'd be so much more efficient if we just made it into like bottled syrup. I, I think I also like the episode where they had the restaurant. I think that's the, the other episode I remember where they weren't catching Pikachu instead they were just setting up businesses I know there's a few episodes where they do that but I quite like it when Team Rocket become business minded people they are quite entrepreneurial favourite things some Butterfree showed up and I like Butterfree so Butterfree is my favourite thing I thought it would be Butterfree even though they're for like a few seconds and then there's just a still image of one on a tree that's all I need is better than anything else in the episode. Well, my favourite thing was Heracross. I was going to have it as a standout character, but I like Team Rocket more. It could it could work both ways. I mean, Heracross could be a standout character, but it didn't really do anything amazing. Team Rocket, for me, I felt like this, it's giving them a bit more characterization other than, let's just catch the Pikachu. And now they're like, let's just get into business because we want money. <laughs> but yeah, Heracross is my favourite thing. Team Rocket did have one great line, which was, it seems like only yesterday, but it was two days ago. <laughs> Oh yeah, Meowth, yeah. Yeah, I like Heracross. It's one of my favourite Gen 2 Pokemon. I like Beetles and I like this design. It's got quite a cute design. It's got I like the uh, horn it's got and everything. It's nice. And it has a cool Mega Revolution. Yes, it does. I like the Mega Revolution. And that, that and Caesar's Mega Revolution are both quite cool. Pinsir's Mega Revolution is alright as well. Yeah. It's just a bit more creepier. It just gets wings. <laughs> it gets Red Bull. Yes. Filler or not... I reluctantly have to say that it's not filler because he did catch a Pokemon. Okay, I kind of disagree. I think it's like, it's filler, but with like a a seasoning of not filler. But it did all build up towards that final moment where he got the Heracross. There were episodes where like, I would say the Charmander episode isn't filler because it's it's about the Charmander. But this isn't about that Heracross. It's, they're doing something else and the Heracross is just there. So for me, it feels like it's filler because it's just, it's not about the Pokemon that he meets. It's just, this Pokemon is just following him. But he does capture Pokemon, so it's not filler. At the very end. It doesn't matter where it was. It needed all of that set up for him to have the Heracross following him around and watching him. I mean, it wouldn't make sense if it just had that bit at the end with the Heracross turning up. I mean, it barely makes sense anyway, but it needs the rest of the episode. No, you could literally take out the Heracross that follows him and have it at the very end. They can just say, oh, it's one of the Heracross you saved. And then it comes back and it's still the same episode. So do you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't feel like there was enough focus on that Heracross with Ash to feel like it was a big moment when he joined, as opposed to like the Squirtle episode or the Charmander episode. Well, even if the majority of the episode feels like filler and is pretty much pointless, if something crucial happens, then you have to say that the whole episode isn't filler because something's happened that's important. 
So even though very little happens, it's not filler, in my opinion. Okay. Overall thoughts? It's very boring. Is this your overall thoughts? Because it can be. It's very boring. You said it's very boring, and I have, like, the first note is, it's pretty boring. It's very boring, but he does catch a Pokemon, and the Heracross is cool. But I also don't like the mixed messages it gives about all the environment and the living in harmony stuff, where it's like, we have to save the trees, let's go cut some bushes on our way there. There's just nothing spectacular in this episode, like, I keep going back to the Charmander episode. Charmander almost lost its life if they hadn't gone back to rescue it, and they had to confront a a Pokemon trainer who was being a bad Pokemon trainer. Like, there was some spectacular in that where they had to, they realised that this guy was going to let this this Charmander die and they had to run out and basically race against time to save its life. In this, they just had, oh, the natural order's been upset by a robot pincer. And it follows the, like, the usual plot beats of episodes, which is they go to a new place and they meet a person and a Pokemon. The person will give them the exposition because a Pokemon can't. The Pokemon will have a problem. It's usually Team Rocket. They'll solve that. They'll save the day and then either... It'll be sunset. The people, the person, the Pokemon has stood there waving goodbye, which they did at the end of this, but it wasn't sunset. And then sometimes Ash has the Pokemon join them. It just followed all those things. There was nothing unusual about this episode. It didn't do anything that was really interesting or creative. It was just a bit like, meh. It was very meh. It was so meh. Also, apartheid isn't peace. I just need to make sure that's clear because it's really annoying. So what you're saying is that everybody should be allowed to live in your house. If they let me live in their houses as well, then sure, because that's fair. Or what we've done is we've created our own space where we can exist safely and happily, whilst we have other people who live nearby in their own ecosystem, like in their own safe space as well. Yeah, but that's not the same as segregation. That's just having your own house. They're not being forced to be separate. They've decided as a species to have their own territory for the benefit of their own kind. But surely if they work together. You can't teach the bugs communism. Next up is a new Digitude. The kids set off for the digital world, not before Cody inconveniences everyone over eating a cherry tomato. When there, they learn of two new Digi-Eggs and set off to find them. The Emperor appears and tries to stop them, but TK and Kari end up activating them, triggering their partner's evolutions. Then the Emperor just disappears for some reason, and then the kids go home. First of all, a new Digitude. What is it? It's the second episode in a row with Digi in the title. Okay, but where is this new Digitude? Do the kids have it? Does the Emperor have it? Does the the show have it? I think that TK and Kari get a new Digitude. How? Because they're the same kids they were always... This is not character development. It is. They develop Digi-X. Having a tiny winged pig turn into a horse is not a new Digitude. They need a new Digitude in order to be part of the new Digidestined crew. Like, none of the other Digidestined have this new Digitude. Only TK and Kari do. This, the title of this episode encapsulates everything that's wrong with O2. We need to give it a title, what do we do? So Digimental Up is what they had. They could have just called the episode Digiama Energize. Or a new Digiama. The first one's called The One Who Inherits Courage, or Enter Flamedramon. The second one is Digigate Opens, or The Digiteam Complete, which is like, you could just call it The New Kids or something like that. Third one, Digimental Up, or A New Digitude. That's such a stretch. Where did you come from with this? It's just A New Digitude, Sam. What's A Digitude? It's A Digital Attitude. But they haven't got a new attitude. They're exactly the same as they were when they left. 
Like, they're still the same, just boring people. It could be ineptitude. Yeah, I could see that, especially for a certain small, tiny, useless human being. Oh, what on earth is a verisimilitude? The quality of appearing to be true or real. A new digiverisimilitude. Dissimilitude. Inexactitude. Correctitude. I was expecting this to be funnier, but it's just not. A new collatitude. Can we get on with this episode, then, because we haven't started yet? We've kind of started. We've been talking about the title. Well, it starts off with Yoli doing the recap. Oh, it does. Who cares? And she is talking constantly. She doesn't even take a breath. It's so prevalent in O2 where they'll have, like, so much information they want to cram into people talking. So they're like, in a sense, instead of being like, they don't have like a flowing conversation. It's just you can tell when they've crammed this exposition into this one set of lip flaps. I'm too tired to argue against any of your complaints today. Good, because I've got many. So it starts off where they go into the classroom and... Now, that's not the first thing we see. We start off with the Digimon Emperor making modifications to his glasses, apparently. But the glasses look the same they have always done, and they don't do anything, but he's made modifications to his glasses. Cool. So they end up in a classroom, and all the Digimon are there. So... Have they just been hiding in there all day? And if yes, how can they be trusted to be hiding without getting caught? Well, the clock says half one. So it's not been like a full school day. It's probably like just gone lunchtime. But that's not enough time to go to the digital world. They've just left the Digimon in cupboards for several hours, waiting for someone to go for a textbook and find them. But, you know, like having an entire class of kids and a kid sees a monster. (laughs) Debbie Vimon just hears footsteps in the corridor and goes, Is it Davis? If he's already talking, just at footsteps outside, how's he not going to just be the loudest thing ever when the entire classroom is full? They shouldn't just leave the Digimon hiding out at school all day. It's a bad idea. Well, TK, Kari and Davis arrive first, and then Yoli arrives with a bag of food for the Digimon. And I actually really like this little bit. I like it because Patamon's adorable, and Upamon's good as well. She says she's got it from a parent's store, and Davis says that if his parents had a store, then he would eat all the snacks all the time. And Yoli says that she has to pay for anything she takes, which I quite like, because I know it's a minor plot point, but it gives you a bit of depth into into Yoli's character, where she's being taught the value of things, so she can't just run around and grab whatever she wants. She knows she's got to work off the cost of the things she's taken. And yet she takes brownies before she does the job. I'm just going to hold that against her the entire series. Just You ate those brownies before you fixed the computer. But she still gets like a work ethic and responsibility. She's going to end up in so much debt when she grows up. Brownie debt. Oh, and Gatamon makes cat jokes because that's all that Gatamon does now. I love her face when she's watching everybody eating the food. <laughs> she's got this like completely nonplussed look. And then she says like, I hope I never have a litter or something like that because she's a cat. I have no idea how Digimon even are born. But it's a cat pun, because she needs cat puns. That's all she is. Can we just agree to call her Cat Pun Man now? If she ever does something important besides making a cat pun, then we'll change it. But until then, she is Cat Pun Man. So yeah, they want to go to the digital world, but they can't because they're waiting for Cody. Yay, Cody. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Just go ahead. Okay, they can't go to the digital world because Cody isn't there. Cody isn't there because he's in the lunch hall finishing his dinner. He's eaten all of his food, apart from one cherry tomato, which he's rolling around his plate. Not only are the kids waiting for him, but the dinner lady is literally stood next to him. He's the only kid left, saying, you don't have to finish that tomato if you don't want. You can leave it alone. 
But Cody, being this depressive edgelord from nowhere, goes, no, my dead dad said not to leave a single scrap of food ever, so I'm going to stick to that. To which your reply should be, then eat the cherry tomato. On top of that, you should also think that when he's finished this food, he's literally going to a completely alternate world full of monsters and adventure. But no, he's more concerned again with food because this show has this weird theme where everybody, like especially Cody, is more concerned about eating food than going to this digital world. So he decides to slice it in half and everything and sniff the tomato. But if you look at his plate, everything else has been had, like all the dessert and everything. Like he's got a little wrapper from a cake or a cupcake or a muffin or something. Like he's got no juice left or anything. But he's left this tomato. If it was me and I had to eat it because of this moral code, maybe don't ask for it when you're being served the food because it's just a tomato. They can easily take it back off you and you can say, no, thank you. I don't like tomatoes. Instead, he just sees it go on his plate and he's like, guess I've got to eat that. And he makes this massive deal about how he needs to eat this tomato because of this strict code he's got. If he knows he doesn't like it, stick it with some rice or some bread or something and I'm going to blow your mind here. Cody doesn't say that he doesn't like tomatoes. So he probably likes tomatoes. Okay, so why has he left it till last and he's wait? He's like, if he likes tomatoes, this makes this scene so much worse because he, there's no reason why he shouldn't be finishing his food. He's just taking his time because it's hard to cut a cherry tomato in half with a fork sideways because he just rolls. He's not rolling it side to side. He's trying to split it in half so he can smell it for some reason because it's weird. He's not intentionally rolling it around the plate. He's just trying to cut it in half with a fork. Well, he's not hurrying to eat it because he's literally, like I said, he's eaten his dessert. He's eaten everything else. If he had planned to eat it like a regular human being would, he would have eaten it already. But he's Cody. He's Cody and he's got this weird moral code of, I'm going to inconvenience everybody, but also not try to stop inconveniencing them because I'm like that. So I'm not a massive fan of Cody at the moment. His dad told him to not leave food, and his dad died. Have you no sympathy? Okay, but if he's aware that he doesn't like a tomato, then don't have the tomato. He doesn't not like the tomato. He's not left it there for no reason. It doesn't mean he dislikes it. It could be his favourite. Okay, in which case, eat the damn tomato. There are kids waiting for you to go to an alternate world. There's also a woman behind you who's waited. You're the last kid in the entire lunch hall. If he likes a tomato and he's literally just wasting time... This is unforgivable. I need to believe that he doesn't like tomatoes for him to be just about reprehensible. Because if he actually likes tomatoes, I hate him so much. I find Cody's character frustrating because he doesn't seem to understand the gravity of there is a a completely new world you can go to and he's more focused on eating a tomato. It's like, that's the most important thing right now. And I can't believe, as a character that you've designed, I understand creating a character who's got traditional values. I quite like that as a concept. There are other shows, like there are other Digimon seasons where people have these traditional values, but have that, but don't make it so that it's a negative impact in such a way where it doesn't feel worth the inconvenience. They needed everyone to watch the TV. Maybe have it so that there is a thing that he has to stick to that is out of his control. And instead of saying, just I'll walk away from it. He's going, no, I've got to be responsible. I'm going to stay and make sure I get the thing, even though it is delaying everybody. He's literally putting TK Kari, Davis, Yoli, the lunch lady, five people. And let's also say their partners, which is 10. That's 10 beings he's inconveniencing and making their day harder just because he doesn't want to eat a cherry tomato. He does want to eat it. He doesn't. He does. He would have eaten it already then. Why is it the last thing on his plate? Because... 
is taking him a while because he's probably got lots of them and he wants to split them all in half first to check that they've not gone sour or something. He's an eight-year-old child. He's just badly written. His dad died, Sam. Let it go. That doesn't justify his actions. It does. There are better ways to portray this sort of stuff. And I think I want to watch the scene in Japanese just to see what happens there. But it just, it feels really clunky and really bad. And it doesn't feel like a good enough reason to be delayed. Well, it is for Cody. Because his dad died, Sam. He's a half orphan. He's not allowed to leave a scrap of food, then eat the food. He's trying! He hasn't quite mastered the art of using a fork yet. Really, it's all very easily solved. They just went without him. And then I think everyone would have a better time. Yeah, because they wouldn't have this miserable child around them. So this is argument number one of Cody. There's two in this episode. (laughs) He does so little, and yet he's the one that you pick on. So the other one's not as bad, but it's not Cody's fault for the next one, which you'll understand when we get to it. The other kids are watching TV whilst they wait. Why are they watching TV on a computer in 2002? Because, I don't know, they have an Apple TV. News broadcasting on Wikipedia. Why does it not have a von on internet news broadcasting? This isn't even worth looking up. Like this scene, which is literally just, they watch it specifically because they want the kids to find out about Ken. So they literally watch it and go, oh, he's done this amazing thing, and he's done this amazing thing, he's done this amazing thing. It's like, he's also apparently created a computer program that, that can brush your teeth for you. But... What channel do they go to, which is suddenly, look at this amazing child, isn't he so amazing? Look at all the amazing things he can do. Like, it feels, it doesn't feel like a natural news story that you'd go and find by turning on the TV. But it's there because they needed the kids to find out about Ken. What Ken can do, apparently. Because some of these things don't really make sense. Like, you won a programming competition by creating a computer program that can brush your teeth for you. How? It's a computer program. It's a kind of magic. So apparently he's made this magical program which can defy physics to clean your teeth for you he can play a game of chess while everybody watches okay so can i that's just a example of how confident he is it's not skill it's just about how he doesn't get stage fright yeah i suppose but he can also do martial arts and is a sports expert and then he's also invented dishes that clean themselves yeah this is the way of the writers telling everybody that he's a super genius but then we have another Cody moment after this, once they've all seen it. Cody's suddenly there, and then Yoli, I think it's Yoli, says, Cody, when did you get here? And Cody's like, about a minute ago. He's not just announced himself, he's literally just there. He's walked into the room, seen everybody watching this TV program, and instead of being like, I'm here now, guys, he's just like, guess I'll stand in the corner. <laughs> are you ready to have a conversation, or are you still Googling whenever we could watch TV on the internet? I'm still looking up internet TV. I mean, it looks like there were actually sort of TV-like broadcasts on the internet, starting even in 1992. Oh, wow, okay. So it's entirely possible that there were news broadcasts on the internet. It's just very unlikely that they're actually there watching it. We'll let them get away with it on a technicality. We learn about Ken, Cody's there, Cody is just there. Ken's not a dog person. Yeah, we see Ken and he's looking, like he's got an evil look on his face, because he, we ha- we, in case you haven't noticed, he's evil. But he's not the Digimon Emperor. No, absolutely not. Not at all. Except when we see him at the start programming the glasses, and at the end programming the glasses. He just works for him. But yeah, we see him, he sees a dog and he calls it a nut. There's zero subtlety in this show as well, I think that's one of the other problems with it is... They don't have a like a, a subtle way of showing us things. They literally go, Ken, evil. But he goes home and he sees his mum who has to act funny because the parents have to be funny in Digimon. And she's got a new label maker and she's labelled the toilet even though she hasn't because it's just got a sign on the door. So he goes into his room. 
Kensho spends a lot of time in his room. Hint, hint. Maybe he's going through puberty. Or maybe he's a Digimon Emperor. <laughs> we see the Emperor in the digital world. He's catching an Elecmon, but he's like chasing him. And then when he catches it, he puts it in like a Colosseum and he makes one that's got a dark ring around his neck fight it because he just likes to see them fight. Because instead of just owning the digital world, he's got to make all these things fight. For his amusement. And then whilst this is all going on, there's some Gotsumon who was stood like just on a tree branch nearby. Like, really close nearby. They're talking, like, very loudly. And then one of them says, what a terrible person. And then the tree snaps. He doesn't move. Like, he doesn't accidentally hit it. He's just stood there. And then the tree branch next to him just snaps. Twists around and happens to have a twig stuck between his arm and his leg or something. It just doesn't look like it would snap. And it snaps. For some reason he makes it ooh sound as he turns. But yeah, the Emperor hears it and turns. And I'm like, okay, but their talking was louder than the snap. But yeah, for, like I said, this season's poorly managed. So that's what we get. So two of the Gotsumon get kidnapped and then one of them survives. And then the two that are kidnapped are attacking each other whilst the one's like, oh no, he really is evil or something like that. Because in case you haven't noticed, he is evil. He's the evil Digimon Emperor. And then here we go, starts playing as the kids come to the digital world. And then they immediately pick up a signal for a digi-egg. So they've got to go and find it. And then this is where we get Davis saying, it's getting dark and Carl should hold his hand. She's like, I'm not scared. And then TK's like, it's not my hand. And he's like, oh, sorry, TJ. And then that's not his name, it's TK. And then he goes, eh, whatever. I'm like, these are just bad lines. There wasn't a need for any of these things, like any of these lines, but they needed to make Davis this awful human being. Like, okay, imagine you have a female friend who you've known for years. And the two of you make this new friend and he immediately starts hitting on her and is immediately rude to you. Wouldn't you just tell him like just to go away? You lost me at pretending I have a female friend. Okay, I lied. You actually lost me at just pretending I have a friend. I guess I'm not your friend then. That's kind of an awful revelation that we found out. You don't count because you only exist in the internet. Well, we literally went to see Night Vale together. <laughs> it could be a holographic projection. Like Ken is... No, not Ken, sorry. But, like the Digimon Emperor is later... <sighs> Could have spoiled something for someone. These are just another example of some really poorly written lines where Davis is... Davis. They have like one line written underneath each character of what their character is and Davis is like, likes Kari. They keep hearing the noise of the Digivices beeping as, they, as they're as they getting close. The Digivices make like super loud noises, by the way. It's because of the upgrade. It's louder than them talking at points. This is when the Emperor appears and Davis tries to punch him, but it's a hologram. And he says that only Digidestin can come to this world. And then Kari says, how has he come to that conclusion, basically? And what well, Davis says that they are Digidestined. And the Emperor says it's physically impossible because, based on the laws of physics, only perfect human beings can be Digidestined. And he's the only perfect human being, based on the laws of physics. Which laws? Tell me whose laws. It's quite clearly the law of Digidestined, where only perfect human beings can be Digidestined. It's like a top secret fifth law of physics. Also, like, there were six other kids before became the Emperor. How is it based on the laws of physics? Because Ken's smarter than us. No, sorry, the Digimon Emperor is smarter than us. But they, they throw in this sort of speak to make Ken sound smart. Uh, the Emperor, sorry. To make the Emperor sound smarter than he is, but he's not. It's just jargon and they've added it and it makes him sound stupid. Physics just doesn't apply to this whole digidestined law stuff. I think uh, Davis decides to say, what about Kari? I'm like, sod off, Davis. He's just saying that Kari's perfect. Yeah, because he's got to try and float with her, even though they're in like a, a dangerous situation. And then two seconds later, the Digimon Emperor appears on the back of a Tyrannomon. 
I'm like, okay, why have the hologram? You were literally there. You could see them. If they turned their heads 90 degrees to the right, they would see you there. But I guess you've somehow set up this hologram that never gets used again, ever. Well, he'd give up the element of surprise. He'd also have to be within reach. Also, he has this fancy hologram tech, so he might as well show it off at least once. Maybe that's what the glasses do that Ken modified for him. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, Tyrannon appears and he wants them gone from this world. Like He keeps telling them to get out. And apparently um, in the stat screen, Tyrannomon is one of the most powerful Digimon, apparently. Do you know Ultimate and, and Mega Level and Super Ultimate? It just goes Armor Champion Sam, and then it stops. <laughs> They've got nothing on Tyrannomon, who's one of the most powerful Digimon. All of the ones in the room at the moment, <laughs> it's one of the most powerful. The Digimon Emperor is going on about, you are on my property and you are to leave now or something. And then Davis says that the landlord said the same thing to his uncle when he was evicted. So Davis has an uncle that was evicted, which is a good bit of backstory to know about. Why is it a good bit of backstory? Because this is quite a tragic episode for revealing family backstories. Something tells me he hasn't actually got... Why would he lie about his uncle being evicted? I don't know, why would Mimi lie about having a brother and dogs? Davis' uncle is now my favourite character, by the way. I want to know about his backstory and how he ended up getting evicted. <laughs> the landlord met his nephew and was just like, no, I can't have him coming around again. Get out. No, they, he didn't actually get evicted. He just told Davis, I don't live there anymore. I got evicted. Don't come around here again. Bye. And Davis is like, aw, I don't know where he lives now. And he's just still living there. Like he's just turned all the lights off. Davis Uncle is the best character. He's so well written. Evolution time. So we get Flame Drummond and Holsomon, isn't it? Yes. And Digmon. Well, he's after because we get four more Tyrannomon appearing. Like, five of the most powerful Digimon. There's another dumb line from the Digimon Emperor. What is it? You like addition. How do you like multiplication? To which I say, multiplication is just addition done several times. So, shut up. You're not that smart. Okay, so, Ken wants to kill Gatamon and Patamon first for reasons. Do you mean Catpunman? Catpunman. So they run away, and it's like bad animation where it's just like, they've got the, the animation cycle of them. The way their legs move doesn't match the speed in which they're moving. Like, they're being dragged slowly across the screen, but like, their legs move faster than it would imply that they are moving. It's not a slow motion Baywatch shot, that's why. <laughs> and then, like, Tyrannomon swipes, but you don't see them get hit, because that would be too much, like, that would that would break the budget, having more than one Digimon in a shot at one time. So it cuts to a close-up of Tyrannomon swiping, and then it cuts to them flying backwards and Catpunmon landing on Patamon. And then Patamon says, I thought cats were supposed to land on their feet, and, and Catpunmon just says, shut up, in such a good way. She's done with this episode. She's done with being nerfed for no reason. Poor Catpunmon. Is now really the time for a joke? You're literally about to be murdered, so I guess it's time to make some sort of cat landing on feet joke. So we get a short fight, which is just stock footage and people dragging images across the screen. TK and Kari and Cody run to find the Digi Eggs because it's their only hope, apparently. And I've realised that Cody sounds like he has a sore throat all the time. Yeah. So they run into a cave. They see Digi Eggs and Kari's like, those are Digi Eggs with a question mark? It's like, yes, you've seen them before. You know what they look like. So, yes. Well, they weren't expecting to find Digi Eggs, even though they were looking for Digi Eggs. And then TK's like, what do we do now? Wait for, like, some more kids to appear? Quite clearly, Cody just has to pick them both up. Just try picking them up. But what they do is, like, TK says, what do we do now? Gatamon says, try lifting them. Then both TK and Kari 
argue against why they should try. Instead of going, okay, lift it up. They go, but what about this? But what about this? Oh, are we going to wait for some kids? Oh, how do we do? We know that we're the ones who are supposed to have them. Then lift them up. <sighs> also, Cody has to stand on a boulder in the background because he's so small. Kari and TK's devices glow and they change into D3s. It would have been better if they did it after they picked up the eggs. So they lift the eggs and then we get Horsemon and Sphinxmon. And like, okay, so is Nefertimon like a higher level then? Because Gatomon was a champion. Well, it's more powerful now because Catponmon got nerfed after losing the ring. So even though they are technically going down a level, because I think Armor's like between Rookie and Champion, they are actually stronger because Catponmon without the tail ring has the strength of a Rookie level. Okay, you know, it'd be so much easier. Go find the ring. It could be anywhere. They would constantly have a Digimon that's already stronger than any of their armor forms. But no, we have to have an armor evolution. Plot-wise, it would be so much easier if they just reduced her down to Salamon. But because it would be a new Digimon and they wanted to keep the originals and stuff, they have to have this weird rule where everybody and then also Gatomon. <laughs> well, they can't de-Digivolve Catpomon because it's been shown canonically that Catpomon just maintains that level already. So there's no reason for them to go down to Dogmon. Maybe when the ring gets taken off, it goes down to Rookie. They could do that, but no. Nah. nah. Guess we just have a champion that can also get into a weaker form for no reason. So they evolve, and then Cody goes, Gatomon and Patamon were able to armor Digivolve. You don't say, Cody. What's it like? It's with, What's with these kids just suddenly making exclamations about things that we all know? Cuts to Davis and Yoli. They're on the edge of a cliff. Wait, 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 wait. I had a point, which was that... They only have the one attack name despite doing many different things with all their attacks. They couldn't be bothered paying the voice actors to read out different attack names for all of the Digimon. So like, Flamedramon always does Fire Rocket right now. Holsomon always does Tempest Wing. And Digimon always does Gold Rush. It does Tempest Wing, but it doesn't actually do Tempest Wing. It does like an attack where things fire out of its eyes. All of their attacks, even though they look different, have the same name. So like, Fire Rocket fires rockets and also does like this fire thing along the ground. And Gold Rush, he either drills into the ground or, like, launches his drills out. And Tempest Wing has the rings from the eyes and also the shots from the wings. But they're all called the same things, no matter what. And also, when Kari picks up the egg, she says, it's light, which is just the best joke, isn't it, Sam? I didn't even get it. She says, it's light, and it's the Dijek of light, and she has the crest of light, and it's light. Okay, right. Oh, 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 oh. And when Cat Punmon armor digivolves... Because she only has one level higher, it just has like one image of Angelamon in the background. And then it does it, which just makes it really funny for me. Everyone else has like four levels and then there's just Catpunmon with an angel. That's all. It's just reminding us, she could be this one, but no, you get this Sphinx instead. It's not like, here's the whole lineage, the entire Digivolution line is just angel. I for some reason just find that really funny compared to all the others. Davis and Yoli are on the edge of a cliff. The three Digimon are all rookies again lined up in front of them for plot convenience. And then Cody, Kari, and TK appear. And then Horse and Sphinx, I forgot their names, fly and do a golden noose, which is apparently a super plot-specific attack. Like, it literally only works if there's two of them. Like, it's so convenient, it's literally just these two Digimon can do this attack together, which involves flying around in a circle, and then nothing happens. It ties them up. <laughs> and then they do, like, one attack each. And then break the rings. Yay. Which, I mean, now it means that maybe they can ask for their help because they're, like, some of the most powerful Digimon. So maybe if they had these five, it'd be easier to defeat the Emperor. 
To which my next question is, where's the Emperor gone? He was on the back of the Tyrannomon and now he's just gone because it's sunset and they're walking away and Kari wants a digital photo for a computer scrapbook because our Digimon words, computer words to everything. Well, it is just a digital scrapbook. But like, it's sunset now and the Emperor's just gone, I suppose. He might have just been a hologram anyway. We would have seen, but it's literally like the Emperor's there and then he's gone. Maybe Ken got him out of there. So the kids are back in the human world and Kari's sorting out the photos and she says, these photos turned out fantastic except for Tyrannomon who have red eye. Oh wait, they always have red eyes. No, they don't. They have blue eyes. We literally saw them six seconds ago. Why are you lying to a script? And also all of the Tyrannomon have the back to Kari so that you can't even see their eyes. They just want to make this joke and it didn't work because like you said, you can't see their eyes, but also they have blue eyes. But the joke's more important than any sort of consistency. And then we get, I'm guessing this is going to be where your second rant on Cody happens. Because they're all just talking about like, oh, we should kill the Digimon Emperor. Cody basically explains how they found Digimon and uh, the Digi-Eggs and Patamon and Gatamon and Marvin evolved, but they still weren't able to defeat the Emperor. Like, he tells them exactly what's happened again. TK goes, yeah, what's your point? Because I'm like, also, yes, Cody, what is your point? You've literally just said everything that has happened to us today. And then Cody goes, maybe we can find out who he is and stop him on this side. And TK goes, how do we do that? Like he's asking for ideas and Cody then goes in his head. I know I shouldn't have expressed my opinions. Now they will all make fun of me. They won't. Davis kind of does, doesn't he? Davis is like, that's a dumb idea. No, he doesn't say that. Literally, TK is the only one who speaks and says, how do we go about doing that? They do start saying like, oh, you're just a kid, Cody. Shut the f*** up. You don't know what you're talking about. This season, every, every character has mood swings and they set up their own obstacles for themselves for no reason. And then we get a final shot with Ken with the glasses and then the episode ends. Wait, Cody has big feet. And also Cody, who is the child of the Digi Egg of Knowledge, just gets shut down by everybody else. Even though Cody's supposed to be the smart one, apparently. I mean, even Izzy didn't get shut down by people. But Cody's just inadequate in every regard, apart from the size of his feet where he's just exemplary. Standout characters. It's Cody because of the way he's written. I don't think it's Cody's fault that he's as frustrating as he is. I think he's a character that has interesting ideas, like, like as a concept. Like this this character who's so rooted in traditional values and, and keeping to his word. But he just comes off as this kid who's creating his own problems and problems for everybody else for inane reasons. I'm I'm hoping that it, it lessens as it goes along and maybe he develops a bit, but current Cody, I do not like him. Okay. My standout character is apparently Davis, according to my notes. Davis was alright. He was pretty loud and he tried to punch the Digimon Emperor. So yeah, he stood out. Maybe not always for good reasons. But he was definitely louder than Cody. Favourite thing? Davis has an uncle that got evicted. And this is canon. I find it really hard to find something that I liked in this episode i like kari and tk's digivices because i like the new designs especially in try where they're like more detailed instead of looking like potatoes with sticks in them green and pink are good colors as well they are filler or not filler not filler because we learn about ken no we don't we well we hardly learn anything about ken we know he's the digimon emperor because you see him programming the glasses that the emperor has no he isn't we also learn about ken being a super genius and then we also get horse <laughs> We also get horse and cat. I can't think. I can't think of the words. I just, all I could say was horse. I'm sorry. Pegasus man and Nefertiti man. Filler or not filler, in your opinion? Not filler. There's new Digimon eggs and new Digimon and yada, yada, yada. Overall thoughts? Superman. 
Yeah, it's the same plot that we've had before in the like the last couple of episodes. It's so very meh. They go there for no reason, and they find an egg, and now there's stuff. Why did they go there? No reason. Let's go, guys. Cool, I'm making us move on now. I just want to say, I don't understand why I used to watch this so much when I had it on videotape. Now it's time for Mono Mono, where we attempt to compare these episodes. As fast as possible, because we are both dying. What mons were new to us? First of all, there was Pegasus Mon, who was an orange horse. He's all re- I was going to go with the Pokemon first, which was Heracross. Well, we've started with Digimon now. Okay, Pegasus Mon, I really like Pegasus Mon. It's probably my favourite armor evolution out of the ones we've seen so far, because it's just- You can see it's Patamon, but it's just like been spread like as far as possible and horse. Well, he's been spread an awful lot because he's nothing like a horse. He has the same number of legs. That's the only similarity. Yeah, Pegasus Mon is fine. It's just Pegasus. It's like the simplest thing. We'll just take it, strap metal to it, and I don't think it has a sharp bit. Nefertimon? It's just Pegasus Mon, but girl. I always find it creepy because it's like got a stone face, so it hasn't got eyes or anything and no expression on its face. But then again, Digimon design-wise and O2, they don't have expressions on their face. But it's just, they don't have eyes. It's just stone. It's got Gatomon's claws though, so... Capomon's claws. Heracross. It's a pretty good design. It's just a rhino beetle, but made humanoidy. Yeah, it's literally just a bug with human eyes and then made big. I liked the personality that the one that Ash got had. What was your monster of the week? Heracross, because he was the only good one. There were no other good monsters. Well, mine was Robopincer, because it's one of Team Rocket's inventions, which are based like Pokemon. That's fair enough. They've got the Magikarp submarine or the Gyarados submarine, depending on which episode you watch. I'll let you have it, since it's modelled after one. Who was worse, Ash or Davis? Davis. I've got Davis, yeah, because of the being a creepy stalker child who obsesses over Kari for no reason and apparently make a joke about her even when they're in danger. And also blindly rushes in to try and punch the Digimon Emperor. And also insults her best friend, which is not the, the nicest way to make friends with a girl is to insult her best friend. Her gay best friend. Maybe, we don't know this. Which storyline did you prefer? Pokemon? It was filler, but it was like slightly interesting to see Pokemon in the natural habitat. Digimon's was just really boring. <laughs> Yeah, and it's the same plot we've seen twice, like the last two episodes. With Pokemon, we've seen this plot before, in a way, but it's been like spread out. With Digimon, I've literally seen it before a million times when I was younger, and I don't know why I did that to myself. But like episode-wise, we saw it, the last two episodes have been the same thing. They go to Digimon, they find eggs. Noticeable similarities? Both of these are just barely not filler episodes. Nothing happens in either of them, but they have just that one tiny thing that happens to make the episode not filler. Also, people get new things, like the eggs in Heracross. Exactly, those are elements that make them not filler episodes. Also, they're in, like, a forest, and the plots are both just repeated plots that we've had before, but there's nothing new to them. Here's something else that I've noticed, which is that Digimon's cast is sort of getting smaller to get a bit closer to how Pokemon has a reasonably small cast as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. So having eight kids, they're now down to just five basic ones. So it's the smaller groups of people. Five and four because of the filler guy in Pokemon. Differences? I think Digimon has more bad jokes than Pokemon does. Yeah, definitely. I find Pokemon's to be punnier, whereas Digimon is more about just insulting other characters and complaining about dying at bad times. Which episode do you think deserves the point? Pokemon. Yeah, I've got Pokemon as well. Digimon was naff. It's basic plot, but it's consistent. Digimon was just so boring. <laughs> Lots of the problems in Digimon were created by the kids themselves, apart from the Emperor. There's no reason for it. So many awful jokes. 
that don't make any sense. At least Pokemon's wasn't <laughs> too tired, Sam. That's fine. We're both dying, but Pokemon gets the point, so it's 2-1 to Pokemon. Administration across the nation. This is a theme song. It's not really long. So, shall we start with the Twitters? Yes. That is a good answer. So, I've got very little for Twitter. I've been trying to post some more funny stuff, though, just so it's a bit more active rather than just latest episodes out. So there's a few screenshots and things that I've just found on Google Image Search because I'm lazy and cannot do what Pontages and Ostracization Mon do, where they just watch through and get a million and one screenshots. Anyway, all the feedback I have off Twitter is a response to a poll where I asked, Grass types are resistant to electric types. Does this mean that grass Pokemon are strong against electric Pokemon? 100% of the five voters said that grass Pokemon are not strong against electric Pokemon. So they all agreed with you, Sam. Thank you. Being resistant to something doesn't mean you're strong against it. Not according to the consensus, anyway. Thank you, people who voted and agree with me. That That's a true fact. All five people that voted. Anyway, that was pretty much all the feedback we had. So now we could just ramble about whatever we fancy. Any Pokemon or Digimon-based stuff this week? So I've done no Pokemon or Digimon stuff. Well, luckily I have. I've been playing Pokemon Go again. They've had the new update with the gyms and the raids, which are quite cool. There are raids where you go and, like, fight an egg and if you beat it you get a rare egg which hatches into a rare pokemon and it doesn't have to be like a baby pokemon it can be like an evolved pokemon because that makes perfect sense it gives you more reason to do them if you did the raid and you got a matchup it's a lot better than oh you did the raid and got a matchup it's like yeah it makes more sense and then digimon wise what have i done i've been keeping up to date with atmon i'm not i've got all of lost translation man's atmon episodes just stacked up at the top of my playlist so that as soon as I've caught up with all my other million and one podcasts I can then just binge Atmon and Lost Translation Mon for ages. I've only got like a hundred podcast episodes to get through. Bearing in mind I've already got through a hundred basically to reach this point. I might be caught up within a week. That's good. I highly recommend Atmon by the way. It's, it's really good. Quite like the season. Obviously there isn't a, a dubbed version yet. Fingers crossed for yet. Or official subtitled versions. No, but you know, you can you can find them online. If you're naughty. But it's really entertaining, I quite like it. To be my favourite, you kind of have to be dinosaur-like, because I like dinosaurs, but there isn't really a dinosaur one this this season. But I've kind of really fallen for Gatchmon and Gatchmon's evolutions. They're quite cute and cool. But Gatchmon's, like, ultimate form reminds me a lot of Shine Greymon in colour scheme. It's got, like, red, yellow, and whites and stuff, and I quite like it. So I think that's why I like it. Is that ultimate as in mega or ultimate as in perfect? Ultimate as in perfect. It's third form, so Gatchwan, the one above that. It's the one above that form. And then they've got, I think they've got one more above that, which we haven't seen yet. We'll see. And I've been binging a few episodes of Atmon this week, because I need to keep up to date with it. I'll catch up with those one day, hopefully soon. It's a good palate cleanser once you watch O2 and Season 2 of Pokemon. If you want to feel good, go and watch an episode of Atmon, because they're quite good. They don't make me feel bad. They're fine. Okay, well... They make me feel sad at times. Zero Two still has Patamon, so it's okay. One Digimon can't carry a season. That's a matter of opinion. Anything you want to recommend? Oh yeah, we do plugs and stuff now. We don't plug, we just recommend stuff that we've been involved in. We just rip off Podigious. No, there's a lot like a lot of podcasts I listen to nowadays plug stuff. 
okay, well, I'm just going to plug the Crash Bandicoot games on PS1 on the classic versions because they're really good. I've been playing them a lot this week in preparation for the remasters coming out and they are still really fun. So you've decided to play the games that you're going to play again in HD in a few weeks? Well, in like five days. Oh, is it five days? I was not sure. So, yeah. I've just been practicing, basically. I did the same thing with the Ratchet and Clank games. I played the PS Vita version of the first game and then immediately played the remake after because I just like games. So I'll complete the same game twice in a row if you give me pretty graphics in the second version. I used to play video games a lot, you know. I don't play them so much anymore because I'm a busy human being. Well, what have you been doing instead that you want to recommend? It's a bit of a sad one this week. I'm going to recommend Love is Love, which is a graphic novel, well, a comic book anthology. It's been just over a year ago since there was the Pulse nightclub shootings in Orlando. And yes, it's a sad subject, but as a gay man, this is kind of an important thing for me. And I kind of, I really wanted to get the book and it's always been like, I've always forgot that I can get it and then not being able to get it. And then I was determined to the other day, go and get the book. So we went, uh, well, I went and bought it and it's quite good. It's between IDW Publishing and DC Comics. Um, they've worked together with a guy, Mark, I can't remember his last name, but they like collaborated and made this book. So it's got people like uh, Wonder Woman, it's got Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, it's got Batman, it's got Deadshot, it's got a couple of important comic book characters in it, but it's also got lots of stories about like LGBT things and family and love and stuff. And it's quite an adventure to go through because there are some really funny ones, like the one with Harley and Ivy is really funny and stuff. And it, it's, it's quite good, but then you'll turn a page, either a page or two pages long, each little bit, and you'll get to a really funny one. You'll turn the page, it's a really sad one, and then you sit there and start crying. But that's basically what I did the other day, was sit and read this book. I bought another book as well, would that be a recommendation for another time? But yeah, I really want to recommend this one, because it's it's just it was really good, it's really good, and all the proceeds go to Equality Florida, which is um, a foundation which is helping support the uh, survivors and the victims and their families. Mine costs like £9 in England. So, you know, it's not too much money to get like a collection of short stories and also support people. Cool. And I think that pretty much wraps this up then. Yes. Yes, it does. Oh, there is one thing I wanted to clarify about the Patreon rewards, which is just because I'm releasing the raw episodes for patrons, it doesn't mean that I'll be changing how the outtakes work in the main episodes. They'll still be at the end of the episode and they'll still be the outtake compilations as well. So don't worry about that. They'll still be there for you. What people who get the Raws will probably end up with is essentially about two and a half hours, two hours worth of us talking. And it usually goes, we start the recording. We normally talk for about half an hour before the recording and then we press record. But what we'll start doing now, is this episode, but next episode, we'll just start the second we start the uh, Skype call. We'll just press start on record and just keep it going. And then you get to see us ramble about stuff. My cats will come in at some point and then my partner will come home. Steve will go get some biscuits or something. I'll make a bad joke that doesn't go anywhere. And then you call me out on it. Stuff like that. You also understand, get to learn how I'm basically incompetent as a human being. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to say yes, but yes, you are. So please do go look at my Patreon as well, because I don't have a job and I'm not at university anymore. So I really need all the help I can get. This is me begging for money. So please just consider looking at it. And also subscribe to my YouTube if you want to see the Games I've Played podcast when those come up, even if you don't want them a week early in audio form. So yeah, that's my Patreon plugged again. And I think that's Adman done. Join us again next time when we'll be discussing the fourth episodes. Roll on, Pokemon and Iron Vegemon. You can listen to more of us on SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher, where we like getting reviews and comments. 
And you can message us via our Facebook, Twitter, with the world thread and email, which are all linked in the show notes. And you can support me on Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Double plug for the win. We are good as The way it walks, almost like a, a pangola. Like a what? A pangola. Is that a fruit? It's what Sanctuary's based off of. So it's not a fruit. It walks with its hands almost like held together. He's very shy, which is cool. Brownie debt. Yeah, whatever. That's fine. Everybody, everybody's got brownie debt. I haven't. I've just got student debt, which is worth a lot more. Probably. No, yeah, it is, Sam. It is worth more than brownie debt. I don't owe anyone exactly brownies. money, not confectionery. <sighs> oh, they evolved with armor. Like, they armor evolved. Yes, we- yours is out there right now <laughs> doing the same thing. They know it's happened because they've literally just seen it happen. You've seen it happen. So why are you saying these words? It's for no one. Okay. It's like we're all at the table eating cake. I've eaten my cake. You don't. And then you eat Sam, your slice Sam, of cake. And I go, Sam. You've eaten your slice of cake. Just just save your breath. I'm so warm. I'm so angry. <laughs> I am currently drenched in sweat. My, my water is long gone. <sighs> I'm now like leaning against my bed and just a box as I can't like sit normally. <laughs> we are both suffering for this podcast. <laughs> That was the plane. Sorry, that's my ride. I've got to go.